everybody. Welcome to episode 24 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack, a podcast where we listen to tracks on Spotify that have never been played before, and then we talk about them. And it's episode 24. You know what that means, Eric. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah it's episode off. 24. You know what that means, right, man? Yep, you know it's funnier than 24? 25. Oh, this is bad. I, we should start over. <laughs> no. Keep it No, neither neither of you picked up on that one. I'm pretty sure that's the quote. Is that the Mar- Patrick star from SpongeBob? Yeah, it's it's from SpongeBob. Uh, I didn't watch that much SpongeBob. Funnier than 24. Yeah. 25. 25. That's a good one. No, Come it, on, it really? is, of course, our Keeper Sutherland tribute episode, 24. You guys remember or, that show, 24? Or Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. Or Kobe Bryant. Mm. Oh, wait. Yeah, right? Is he number 24? If you're wrong, I'm just going to let you expose yourself on this one, Eric, because you actually yeah. like sports. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's, all, it's all on you, Eric. Yeah. Am I? Am this I is your ride-or-die moment. Ride-or-die. Oh, uh, number 24. Whew. I was right. I was right. <laughs> oh, you okay. got it. Fucking <laughs> there for a second. Street cred saved. Well, should we start off with the first one, Eric? That is what Yes. You. All right. That's me. I get to start us off today. So today, while perusing Forgotify in preparation for today's episode, I stumbled across the band Maybe Tonight. We will be listening to their album Weird Pass and specifically the track Hear the Dawn. So let's give that a listen real quick. So this track has a really great vibe, you know, right off the bat. I love the opening. I love the almost kind of like garage band aesthetic we have going on right from the get-go. The lead vocalist voice is obviously very interesting. You know, we're in such a high tessitura and there's such a brightness to her voice, a sense of levity. I, in some ways, I'm not comparing their voices but it reminds me of similar vibes to a lot of Cheryl Crow songs, just in terms of how bright it, it is, how uplifting, perhaps. But I couldn't find out too much information about this band other than their last release was in 2012, and they're from Madrid, Spain. Um, and we were talking about this before the show. I'm not going to call it an issue, but the biggest thing I noticed about this band as I was listening to this track, I personally, and maybe it's just because I'm, slowly losing my hearing due to sitting in front of trumpet players. I had a really hard time uh, making out the words that the vocalists are are saying. So it led to this sort of like interesting predicament where I know they're saying English. I know they're real words, but it still sounds a little bit like gibberish, like really, really convincing gibberish. But just a little bit. I, I get that vibe where I, I, I just can't quite make it out. But that also contributes to an essence of the song. You know, I mean, it, it makes it something more because of that. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. What do you guys think? Well, I definitely agree. I, I think there's a lot to be said for um, 
you know, in a group like this, the quality of the singer's voice, it, you know, something that's a big part of the sound, I, I think. You know, maybe because you know, lots of pop groups, you know, similar instrumentation, similar maybe kinds of song structures, but the singer is really what, or I think one of the main things, well, and yeah, hot take, the singer is an important part of a band, but I think the for the overall... <laughs> Uh, gotta roast yourself before you, anyone else can get there. That's what I say. But I think, I, I mean, specifically not just, you know, how they sound in terms of hitting the notes, but the quality of the way they enunciate the words, the way they deliver the lyrics, like you say, does a lot to kind of add to the overall impact of the song and the songwriting. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I, I don't know if you saw, but like my eyebrows went up when I heard the, the singer actually like come in. Not like the first little group vocal shout that kind of happens during like the intro. I don't know why. I just wasn't expecting not only the the timbre of the voice, but like a, a woman singing. I don't know why. I think it's just because we get so little info from like the name of the song, the artist, and the album. And I, I really like both the artist and the album name for some reason. I don't know why. Weird Past is just like, I like it. But I think what's nice is they have duet singing like later on when we left off and their voices actually really complement each other well they're kind of in that like nasally a little bit nasally um yeah. they have they have kind of reedy voices that's what it is like reedy kind of timbre to their voices yeah. and i think it i often wonder like i think women face different difficulties than men when uh playing in like a rock band or you know any kind of like blank rock like punk rock indie rock like whatever and i think it's just because like where their vocal range is and how it interacts with the instruments that are used in rock bands, it's like easier for their voices to get drowned out by just by like frequency range. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think that in this case, the timbre really helps her voice distinguish itself from like the rest of the music. I did want to talk a little bit more about like, you know, the knowing it's English, but kind of not being able to parse out all the words exactly. And I think this would probably vary from person to person, but when you're listening to a song, like, how much are you really hanging on to each word? And I think that also changes from like genre to genre, you know? Think right, of something sure. like uh, Bob Dylan folk, where you're really listening to like all the words for kind of the, maybe like the poetry and the rhyme schemes and stuff, or like maybe complete opposite end of the spectrum, like mumble rap, where the whole point is you're not really supposed to be able to decipher any of the words to begin with, you know? Right. I I think there's another thing, it's sort of another, well, I've heard like people big into musical theater, especially composers and, and lyricists will be like, for musical theater, you want to know what the words are. It's not yeah. so important for like pop songs, you know, you can, you can get like the hook of the chorus, but everything else is fine. But like for something like musical theater, or I think similarly for like Bob Dylan, you know, one is like exposition sometimes, but the, the lyrical content, you know, the clarity is, is a big part of it. Well, I just felt like I was using, um, you know, because they say Hear the Dawn. You mentioned earlier, like, oh, I love when bands say the name of the track. I'm in an the easy track, mark. You know? <laughs> yeah, Robbie's a sucker for that stuff. I feel hey. like I was using it as um, as like a key to mm. de decipher, you know, the rest <laughs> of what mm. they were saying. You know, I was like, okay, so this is their accent. Here's how they're pronouncing these syllables. All right, what are these other words that they're saying? What is that uh, Rosetta Stone? Yeah. Here the Dawn was their Rosetta Stone for me. The other thing 
when you told me that and then i was listening to it again now when you told me like there's something about it because their accents and like the way they're placing their words i know the, the things i noticed a little bit more was i forget if it's i think it's prosody it's either prosody or scansion which is like the rhythmic alignment of syllables of words and why for do the i feel like it's part, scansion i think it's one of the two prosody or scansion or scansion uh, no, and Prosody think... and Scansion were the two starters in Pokemon, you idiots. Oh, okay. What was the third one? Uh, there was no third one. <laughs> that's uh... as far as this joke goes. No, Go there's the, that's, those, are, those are the two versions. There's Prosody version and Scansion version. Right. Pokemon Prosody yeah. Pokemon Scansion. But anyway, there was a couple times. I don't even remember which words in particular, but it was like they were on the wrong part of the beat. Kind of like maybe the second syllable of a word was landing on beat one kind of where it like shouldn't have or 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 the stress of an unimportant syllable got like elongated or something like that right i noticed that maybe just a couple of times when i was listening to it yeah right. yeah, yeah i think that definitely contributes because that's such a strange thing it's something that seems so like i don't know in many ways hard to articulate in many ways very minor but it does really affect the whole way you you hear it that's like the verbal joke of like you put the wrong emphasis on the you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable kind of thing right. yeah and i don't that's remember cool. which i feel like i could be totally wrong but i feel like for some reason some teacher or musicologist and i don't actually know if this is right was saying like americans say shostakovich wrong because like most english or american english emphasizes the first syllable but um, not all languages do that. And in fact, Spanish has different syllable emphasis patterns that we don't really encounter so much. And I remember someone mm. even saying there's a link between a, a, the a lo siento pattern or something like that with uh, reggaeton, like the da 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 is right. uh, the middle syllable gets emphasized, da da da, and that created like the da 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 rhythm in like latino pop Reggae. latin pop yeah. kind of stuff what um i'm just curious now that you said it what's the proper way to say shostakovich do you know according to this person it was shostakovich 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 but i don't know how much i buy that because i've never heard anybody say that i i feel like at some point i would have heard you know a native russian speaker you know um but if i think of prokofiev then I'm a little bit more sold. Right. Prokofiev. I, Prokofiev. I really want to find Dr. Kananov and ask him, like, hey, can you just say Shostakovich's name? Uh, hang on. I'm, I'm Googling this. You guys yeah. keep talking. But then this you're is right. important. Sometimes people I, need to know. They're true. They're, but you never know. You're right. Sometimes there are, like, uh, sometimes professors just say things. Or they've got their own bugbear about something specific. You know, that maybe is just their own hang-up. <laughs> or maybe it's right. I don't know. I don't remember who told it to me. I just remember it was like an older professor. Hmm. Like, definitely gray hair. It was years ago, too. Could be. Maybe this is all the dream you had once. Yeah, some kind of fever dream about Shostakovich. 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 Oh, you know, you know what else this reminds me of? Did you guys ever listen to that band The Cardigans? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, especially, maybe I'm just thinking of Love Fool, because that's like the Cardigan song, but something, the clean guitar tone. Yeah, uh, that's, this song just makes me, honestly, I looked at the album and everything, it just mm -hmm. makes me miss like 2010. Uh, you know, this it, is another song, 
it's just so like steeped in in like the time in mm-hmm. in in my opinion just from the, the the pure sound of it you know right okay um sorry were you guys talking about the album art oh the album yeah, art I, I, a little I really bit like yeah. it too. sorry i really like it too I thought yeah, it no, nice. right. Shostakovich. Um, how do we do it yeah so i found a video of a russian saying Shostakovich and the emphasis there is an emphasis but it happens on the coal Shostakovich. like there's more emphasis there but it's not just how, how did i can't even think about how you told me how to say <laughs> maybe maybe i messed it up maybe i just remembered Shostakovich. is that yeah, what you maybe, said maybe i just yeah. remembered them saying it wasn't the first syllable and it was one of the later ones because i buy Shostakovich more than Shostakovich. that's yeah i think that was a little Shostakovich. That would, I mean, if that's really how they said it, that just blows my mind. But I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I buy that. But yeah, Kovich, I definitely buy, where the emphasis is in the middle instead of at the beginning. All right, should we, uh, should we keep on moving? Yes, that brings us to our next track, which is mine. Uh, and the one I've selected for today is by an artist named Scott Klassen, or, or Clayson. It's got two A's and two S's. Uh, and it's from the album Indio Sun and Other American Ballads, and it's called Another Man's Grave. So this uh, Scott Clayson, or Clason, beg pardon, Scott, uh, seems to be quite a, you know, varied person. He's got a few albums, uh, you know, that, that have come out that seem to be, like, doing pretty well. He's got some listeners just from checking out the numbers on Spotify, but... From doing a little more research, it looks like he is primarily an Episcopalian minister. He graduated from Yale Divinity School, and it looks like he he he's, he has a whole kind of program called the the Carbon Sabbath. And it says here, for one year he refrained from riding in planes and cars, uh, and he spent some time biking around to other Christian communities to talk about climate change. So, I mean, good for him. It's a big, big issue. That's a lot of biking. Uh, that is but, a lot of biking, a whole year. Wow. But yeah, let's take a listen. This track is called Another Man's Grave, and we're starting at the 22nd mark. By the grave of another man, I can find no shade today. Where a trace of his memory stands, a miniature glory. Turn away Another man fell dead today right, so we got about 30 seconds there. So a nice kind of folk vibe coming from it. I guess that's to be expected with Indio Sun and American Ballads. Very much a storytelling kind of uh, song. Got a really nice voice. Kind of reminds me of like Father John Misty. Or maybe that's just the religious connections that I'm making in my head. Good melody too. Got some nice hooks to it, I think. And, and Matt said earlier how much he liked that kind of cadence at the end of the phrase there, which I also agree with. I think it's got a lot of, a lot of good songwriting kind of elements. Little details that come together to make a nice sort of... Uh, yeah, and like this is exactly the kind of... Oh, sorry, Matt. This is exactly the kind of track where enunciation is important, right? Yeah. Like, we were just talking about, like, this is the kind of music where it's really important. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. That's like the Let It Be cadence. That's what it is. Right, yeah, the four from four down to one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they hit, it's like in tenths or thirds, but it and walks down there. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's either tenths or thirds. You're right. Um, that's what it was. That's what was bothering me. I was like, I I know why I know that, but I don't remember like why I know that. I just like love knowing that this guy's a pastor because you totally know he's like the pastor that's up there with his guitar. Right. You know? He's the cool pastor with the guitar in hand the whole time. The whole sermon? He's, he and also for, surfs, yeah. For some reason, his he's also... I don't know why this is an important detail to me. I don't know, like, the difference, preference-wise or anything. You know, like, guitar slings that go around the body of the instrument? Like, just the body part? Right. So, like, it clips at the bottom, and then it clips, like, at the top right before the arm comes out? Yeah, yeah. Right. And then there's the one where it's, like, a loop, and it goes all the way to the, uh, like... To the end of the thing. The, the tuning pegs. Yeah. I don't know why, but he's definitely using that one the one that goes from like the end of the tuning <laughs> peg to like the end of the body <laughs> it's like he's giving the guitar a big hug and it's hugging him back i don't know i feel like that's the one that pastors tend to wear i remember they hand it out to you with along with your collar and like religious vestments i don't know i think it was you know why maybe it was because that's the i remember that was the kind of uh, guitar strap that the music director at like my old church used mm and like it's just that i i guess i probably now associate like the folky sound with with that in particular and i also think it was the guitar strap that the korean pastor at that church in korea used too he was really cool he was really he was really good too he had a great voice nice uh, and plus episcopalians are like the cool ones right they're like the, the super chill ones i think great uh yeah no i mean great voice everything you guys said nice playing having not really had to do that play an instrument and sing at the same time it's a hard thing to do he's doing it well you know like i think it's a hard thing to do maybe it's just me well, what do never, you think you play the piano you sing at the same time easy hard uh, i think well i if i sing, it's normally i'm singing along to what i'm what literally exactly the line i'm playing not like something else right. so that might be a little difficult but what i have done now and i'm trying to do and this, I encourage everyone who can to try this, any musician, is to count the pulse while you're playing something out loud. It's quite challenging. I, I found, because it's like, I'll be practicing a line. We can't do that. We, we play mouth instruments. Yeah. Right. We you guys do can't that. do that. We but play spit you, instruments. If you play piano, if you play, I think I got it from wh whoever Adam Neely's drummer is. I saw a video where he said, count out loud while you're playing to help with your rhythm. And I tried it and... I don't know. It's just something I've latched onto now. I remember, like in uh, in college, in orchestra, there was a fugue section, like an orchestral fugue between all four sections. Uh, maybe yeah, the violin one, two, viola, and cello, and you know it's a very rhythmic thing. Fugues usually yeah. with like lots of eighth and sixteenth rests. And the problem was that they were like stepping on each other's toes a little bit too much, especially with like the resonance of the cutoff and like big sections. So the orchestra director made them shout like the part of the beat where they had their rests. And mm. that was both really funny and really challenging, it, it seemed, especially because like a lot of the time it was just like, and kind of stuff. <laughs> Robbie, do you play any other instruments besides piano? Uh, I played the saxophone a little bit in high school. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, I was going to say, if you played a different, like, singing instrument, I would wonder what your take is on playing the other instruments while attempting to sing. Because I've tried 
three, and I find them varyingly difficult. Which what what which what do you think? Break it down okay. for me. Okay. Give so me in high school, I played in a band, and I played bass most of the time. And singing and playing bass is extraordinarily hard. I don't know why. I think it's because you're hitting the big the pulse. You're hitting the quarter yeah. notes, and if you're doing like rhythmically, if like you're coming in on the off beats, it really makes you like it's hard. It's hard to get the syncopation when it's you're, it's yeah. really hard to sing and play bass, even when it's not just like straightforward like super square stuff. There is a song that we were playing by we were covering uh, "What You Know" by Two Door Cinema Club. Do you know that band? Well, it has a really active bass line. It's like the rhythm is bump, 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 and like the 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 vo the voice line does nothing like that. So I had to try and do that with my left hand, you know, playing playing the bass and then trying to sing. That was really hard. Singing and playing piano, fine most of the time until it gets really technical. But I think singing and playing guitar is the easiest because like your strum pattern doesn't really matter so much. And you're just changing these like on big beats. Like the strum pattern usually complements or mimics the vocal rhythms anyway. I, I think. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell you what, you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Drop Haystack and on those other places at Drop the Needle on the Haystack. Which one do you think is the most difficult to sing and play with? Audience engagement, Eric. Can We're asking you questions now. You have to answer them. Yeah. Can I make that a poll on Instagram? I think I think you can do that, right? You can make polls. Oh fuck yeah! You can make polls. Yeah. Poll okay. away. I'll, I'll do that. We'll get like Resident two responses. Or Matt. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's two that's more, two than, more than we're getting right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Gotta move the needle. That's what it's all about. Yeah, the, yeah, we're the kings of engagement. Did you guys see? Um, I put the music. I put hashtag music on our newest uh, post like today. The and robots, they found the, you. The robots, man. They all just say promote it on like blah blah blah. Yep. I yeah. saw that. Uh, I was R like, Robbie and I were talking about this yeah. right before you you joined the call. Do you get those, Eric? It, oh yeah. Every time I post a video, I get two or three um, people. I mean, what it is is like so these companies go and they buy followers, right? So they get to like a million followers or however many number they think they can make a profit on, and then they'll you know, they get a bot to go to every post and say, promote it on our network because you'll get a lot of followers. And then they charge you like 15 or $20 per post. And then you don't get any followers, but they get some money because they have like an army of bots that make it look like they're actually like a big deal. So I, I need to walk you through something really funny that happened with one of my posts, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember what the post was, but I, I posted something recently. I think it was the Bach Corral, and I That's put right. I, I put a hashtag in it that led the bots right to me, right? So some of <laughs> the trail of the breadcrumbs they blood in the water. Two two of the bots DM'd me, and um, <laughs> their profile image is just the only <laughs> image that's on their uh, their page. Right. So I was Shut curious. Up. And I looked at one of these bots and it's like, you know, a little copy paste message that was exactly the same as the other bot, like probably five lines of text about like what to do and how to get promoted. I go to their page, their, their profile image was just like, um, a picture of a, of like just the torso to like, like neck to knees 
of a girl wearing basically like a, a t-shirt like a short skirt and then like stockings the classic you know that the classic and okay. and, and then um on the picture there's just a comment from one dude like kevin smith or something and it just says beautiful body or something like that <laughs> yeah so this is we well okay i need to clarify otherwise i'll probably get crucified eric found this track last week but Thank we didn't you. talk about it on the show and i like it better than what i brought to the table for this week so i'm going with a selection brought to us by the one the only <laughs> eric black and so first off uh this is a, a guy a pianist named joshua piper and first off we're listening to blackbird and i think eric you said you didn't know what it was and then you realized it was a cover like after like the first 10 seconds yeah so this is a cover of blackbird by the beatles from the album broken hearts on a broken piano so go ahead and play the first 30 seconds of this robbie <laughs> And that's just that's just a fantastic cover. I love everything about the um, like the texture, really, because he gets like the finger picking texture of the guitar, but like on the piano by creating a nice arpeggiation and like very gentle articulation too. That really sells it for me. And he adds like a few uh, dissonances every now and then, or maybe like you know add nine kind of stuff. And it's it's just a really pretty take on like a classic beautiful song that i'm sure can be interpreted in so many ways and so about joshua piper i uh i looked him up he's got a website that i can't really tell how active it is it's www.heavypiano.com um and he also has a twitter which was last posted on in february and on his twitter it's pretty cool i guess probably on his youtube page too He's just been like doing covers of songs, like, you know, Radiohead, anything. And I'm sure that those are all probably great, like this one. And it's nice. It's like a top view down onto his hands on the keyboard, which I always think is nice. That is better. I always kind of wonder how people get that angle, but um, anyway. Me too. What? What? I guess it's got to be some sort of hydraulic arm or something crane that you get behind your head. Susan, Susan could tell you. Our friend Susan John. We're gonna have her on the podcast soon, but um, she has that set up for her piano teaching class. That's such a good idea. I'm sure it has to be something on the piano holding the camera above the hands, right? It can't be behind you or over your shoulder or anything, because then it gets in the way of your technique. That must be it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gotta sure. Be. Because I remember, uh, like, like in high school, I learned a lot of piano from this this guy on on YouTube. Piano, probably his name was John or whatever, and he had like the perfect angle down from his hands. And his tutorials were fantastic for like beginners. And from those, mm -hmm. I learned appropriately all Beatles songs, like a a butt ton of Beatles songs. And the it just I always wondered how do you get that angle? Do you have to like mount it to your piano? But whatever. So Joshua Piper hanging from the ceiling. That'd be cool. Yeah. With a fishing hook or something. Yeah. 
But then it would kind of sway the whole time, and that would get disorienting. I don't know. That could be part of it. But anyway, Joshua Piper, uh, it appears he's primarily active as a pianist for ballet, which is pretty cool, specifically like ballet rehearsals. And if you look at his uh, like discography on on Spotify, it's a ton of just like piano music for ballet, which is just an interesting like career niche to carve out. And then on the side, it also seems like he's a composer because that arrangement of Blackbird is very composerly anyway. And I think this is an album that's pretty recent for him. So we have another selection here that I wanted to bring to the table. The title of the track is I Feel Like 2020 Has Been Nuts. And it's from the album Everyone's Stressed Now. And It's Everyone's Stressed Right Now, so I hope this helps. Yeah. I really like that title. I think it's just like very... Anyway, I've talked about it enough. Go ahead and play the track, Robbie. Okay. Yeah, I think it's probably just improvisation, if I had to guess. It's like a nine-minute track of basically just that kind of thing developing. And the nicest thing about it is the sense of space that it imparts. Like, you know, the reverb. And I don't know what that little thing is in the background. Do you guys have any guesses? You hear it, right? Yeah, It's like an egg shaker in another room, except not exactly. Yeah, some sort of effect that sounds... You know, like, yeah, like you say, it's, it's like as if coming from a great distance or muffled somehow. It almost sounds like a closed hi-hat that's sort of yeah. covered with a blanket or something. I think the the effect that it creates, though, is like, for me, if you're imagining the space, it's like this piano is in just like this big empty room and like there's something in the rafter that's just kind of like... The air know, conditioning. A, yeah. An right, air conditioning yeah. vent or something like that that's just creating that sound. And it really just adds the depth to the space in my opinion for the sound i like the idea of this album i like this track and i think that brings us to just a bigger talking point the u.s has been all like today is the anniversary like biden when talked about it like the one year mark for like the u.s and covid and like everyone's talking about that and i suppose that you would definitely want to call this like a covid album a pandemic album or something like that and I don't know, I've been kind of watching people deal with pandemic and their art in different ways. And I don't know what my opinions are entirely, if I have like a blanket opinion for pandemic art. But what do you fellas think? Because I'm sure that this isn't the only pandemic album. Certainly, yeah. It's almost like a, a genre unto itself now in, in a lot of ways. I don't know. I, I guess maybe my feelings on them are sort of complicated Maybe there was definitely a time like 
Ugh, fuck, it's just, it's so sad to say, like, six months ago, where I'm like, I don't want to hear, I don't want it. I Don't fucking put quarantine in your title. Don't say COVID in any of it. I don't want your jokes. I don't want any of it. I'm done with it. Don't do it. It's the ha- most hacky thing in the world. But now I'm like, you know, it's fine. I guess I've softened on it. I don't know. Well, you know, I think that this is actually probably one of the better quote-unquote quarantine albums I've heard, or at least tracks from, I haven't listened to the whole album, but tracks from an album. Um, strictly because of both the intent, the subject matter, and the ultimate production. So most, I feel like, of the performances I've heard over the last year that came out of quarantine and the pandemic are bad production like they have bad productions and they were born out of a sense of desperation to continue to share music with the world when they otherwise would not have been able to but and i i mean this having done it myself and i mean it in the nicest way that um most of the time you're just producing something that no one will ever want to listen and listen to again for the reason that you know it's bad production you know a lot of these albums were recorded in living rooms with bad mics by people who didn't really know that what they were doing you know or it was live streamed for some event like i can't tell you the amount of like people of live streams i've heard over the past year where someone just recorded it with their phone and i'm not talking about like student like recitals i'm talking about like professional otherwise professional recordings like where the person is playing in a major symphony orchestra and it's clear they just put their phone on a music stand and tried recording a recital like i don't want to listen to that and i don't really know who does but this is obviously not that it's right it's got intent it's trying to transmit like uh a feeling it's reacting to the world around us Maybe that's just been my experience. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Yeah. I immediately was like, this is a, I I feel like nine out of 10 things that are about COVID, about quarantine. For me, I think, I think it's a little too like hitting the nail on the head, kind of a little too on the nose. And there's something about this. It's like, it's like nice and it's personal. It's very kind of like inward and it's, there's like a certain earnest quality about it that i i really like it's not like pretending to be anything it's it's not it's, it's like very humble and it's it just feels like a very personal reflection and then putting it out into the world without right. like i think the big problem is you know like attempting to speak for everyone with a lot of these pandemic quarantine songs i remember there was like a joke on twitter like two weeks into it like can't wait to hear everyone's album called quarantine blues or something like that because like right that's the yeah that's the thing i was like i don't want to i don't want to see that it's gonna suck i'm gonna hate it and i don't it i don't know what it is about it but i hate it just thinking about it quarantine blues like you're shitty like hey guys i know we're all having a really hard time out here but to me that's the same energy as the celebrity singing imagine really badly oh god you know like and this this is not that this is somehow diametrically opposed to that i think it's it's really just the the really like 
intimate personal nature of it this 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 album that he put together probably by himself right you know yeah i think you bringing up the celebrities singing imagine is exactly the kind of thing i was talking about like you know where people who should otherwise have access or want to produce something that's actually quality but in effect it's just a bunch of people with their phones recording something that doesn't sound that good you know like but this is like the exact opposite of that you're right diametrically opposed very hollow meaningless you know pandering pandering almost a little bit pandering um and this it's like it's purposely uh you know that sound that you can tell something about like the the reverb and the way that he put it together it's supposed to have this effect it's not by accident i I guess and i think speaking just go ahead sorry i was just gonna say it's a reflection of it's clearly supposed to be a reflection of how he's feeling and how he's felt this year is gone i think you know it reflects that well go ahead robin no i was gonna say that specifically i think about the the track's construction and the percussion what what's the meter what do you guys think the meter for this piece is i'm not even sure because i i I mean if if it didn't have the percussion like you know it would be yeah like almost without bar lines but I was even trying to count the... Well, that's the reason I let it go too long, because I was trying to count, like... And I got... I got, I got let it go too long, because I was trying to figure out, you know, where's beat one. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys... What uh, do you think? From, How, from that I, excerpt, I kind of think it's in 6-8, like a very loose 6-8 or 12-8. Yeah. I From the thing in the background, I'm getting like a loose something over 8, kind of. Right, yeah, it, it's some some kind of yeah triplety sort of feeling thing, but I think it's some element of how just loose and almost you know like without bar lines almost the the piano part contrasted with the very you know rigid and very straightforward rhythm on the on the you know whatever that instrument is the hi hat it really has this interesting kind of effect. I guess it's a lot like what you get with you know sustained polyrhythms where where or well maybe i'm thinking of something like chopin where it's got like three over four for like so long and it seems like it's floating in some ways it's sort of suspended because of the the rhythmic um or the polyrhythm and that's sort of the same kind of thing i was getting with this particular track you know what this really reminds me of and maybe that's why i like it so much did either you guys play breath of the wild at all oh yeah yeah I do not. This reminds me, Robbie, of when you're just strolling around on the gigantic overworld Hyrule field, hmm. and the piano just kind of like twinkles in every now and then. These right. little gestural fragments, uh, they're like tiny snippets of the, the bigger melody or whatever. Right. And the space, of, the, the sense of space is there, and like the beautiful sound design of that game. This really reminds me of the attitude that they had putting that together i think Mm. imparting that spaciousness and and like just that really nice i don't know like pan tonal very open tonal kind of big sounds you know what you know what i mean yeah it's very open but it feels very reactive in, in that way like it's it's very much you know filled with ideas and not aimless uh you know which would i think probably be very easy to do you know, with something like this, but I, I see what you mean, especially, I think that's a good comparison. What a good video game. Play that, Eric. 
that's a i mean get yourself a switch first but like breath of the wild was easily like two months of pandemic gone for me because like you could just get lost in that game i'll have to keep that in mind all right but oh yeah we're gonna tag him uh joshua piper we really hope you see this because like you seem really fascinating and we'd love to have you on the show yeah that'd be really cool that would be dope we love guests all right um yeah do we want to talk about what we listened to this week sure should we wrap up Ooh, sounds good to me should i start do you want to start eric sure i'll start uh this week i listened to the bearman quintet which i didn't know existed clarinet quintet um but i listened to shirley brill specifically because i just came out with a youtube video on a particular clarinet maker's uh clarinets kind of um it's a german manufacturer they probably make like 40 50 instruments a year and this artist shirley brill plays on their instrument so i was trying to get a grasp or i was trying to get an idea of what these instruments kind of sound like out in the wild you know obviously everyone sounds like you know they want to sound but instruments do impart a certain tonal they all have their own sort of tonal differences so anyway shirley brill anyway i i guess i'll say what i've been listening to it's it's pretty lame but it's pretty funny Eric, do you remember how all K-pop just like got Thanos snapped off of Spotify like a while ago? Right. Oh, right. Yeah. It was it was a rough two weeks, but it's back, boys, and the memes are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've just been listening to my favorite singer IU, the very popular solo singer, because she has a new album coming out in like thirteen days, I think. Um, I thought you were really... going to say 13 hours. I thought you were like <laughs> counting down. 13 hours, no. 27 minutes. I was really worried that Spotify wouldn't resolve the the dispute with Kakao before her album came out because I don't have like Apple Music or anything. And I don't want to be a pleb listening to it on like YouTube over and over again, but it'll be fine. So I've just been listening to IU. That's all. All right. Mm. So, Robbie, what do you got for us? So... Uh, just a little while ago, uh, I think last week sometime, it was the famed pioneer of free jazz, Ornette Coleman. His birthday was in early March sometime. So I thought I would listen to, you know, his most famous album, The Shape of Jazz to Come, of course, is like the free jazz album or the Ornette Coleman album. It's, it's, you know, he's still a divisive figure in a lot of ways, but I think it's, it, it's, it's music I enjoy, and I think especially The Shape of Jazz to Come is so, I don't know, so narrative in a lot of ways, even with the freedom that I think, even if maybe free jazz or, or something like that isn't your thing, that, you know, there might be something there for you. if, if So give a listen, because it's great music. Well, another podcast. It sounds like Matt's cat's hungry. That's the bell, so we got to... Yep. So episode oh, 24 down? 24, that's right. I've got to say thank you for listening and uh, make sure you follow and rate and subscribe and review wherever you're listening, please. And if you like, we'll have that uh, um, poll up on Instagram and Facebook. We're Drop the Needle in the Haystack. And on Twitter, we're at Drop Haystack. So connect with us there. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week.
Yay! Yeah, okay, I'm sorry I rambled so much about that Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>